0: Good morning, ladies, and welcome to our installation of Parshas, uh, Parshas of Megillas Rus. Um, we are going to speak about, you know, there's many ideas in Megillas Rus that are, that are lessons for us to learn, and that's why I decided to go through them. We want to prepare for Kabbalah Satora, and one of the ways to prepare is to see what Rus did that was considered so awesome for her preparation for Kabbalah Satora. The Sefer Megillus Rus was written by Shmuel Hanavi, and the Ramah in Orachayim tells us in Tuf Tzadik, this is for Bina there, we read Rus on Shavuos because uh, she became the great-grandmother of David Melech, who was born and died on Shavuos. Also, the name Rus is Gematria 606, which is what she added on to the Sheva Mitzvahs to Noah and that's why we read Rus on Shavuos. Also, some people say harvest time, you know, which is this time of year. Uh, Any for all that is. There is like the early spring harvest. Now, there are many lessons from Megillus Rus. We're going to talk about two of the basic ones just as a little bit of an introduction, and then we're going to go into the PRUC. And I hope to get through half of Parrot Base today and next week to get through the rest of Megillus Rus. And don't miss next week. Next week is the harvest floor, the threshing floor. With Boaz and Rus you can't make, miss it. It's a <laughs> whatever. It's the it's the thing we need, really need to explain in the Torah perspective. Now, the um, the Al Shakha Qadish tells us that there are many lessons because some of the anything having to do with Mashiach's background is often very murky and even bizarre. Let's explore some of Mashiach's ancestors. First we start off with Beno Lot. Which is an interesting experience in Tanakh. Uh, I, the oldest daughter of, of Lot, who uh, was expecting through her father, because they thought the world was ending, she called her son Moab, which Tinsinuet, mayav. how low can you go? From my father is this child. And then there was Ammon, the other child. But in any case, those daughters of Lot, from Moab comes Mashiach. How low can you go with this? But yet, there's a lesson there, and um, we find then there's Tamar and Yehuda. Well, there's also Yaakov marrying two, um, two sisters, which was okay before Mount Torah. Then there's Tamar and Yehuda. Yehuda, the son of Yaakov, just kind of lost himself at a moment with this woman he thought was a harlot, but it was actually a woman who wanted to do yibum with him because two of his former sons were nifter. Uh, so she had been married to two sons who died, and he thinks that's bad luck three times, but she got pregnant with Yehuda, and then she admitted, uh, he admitted, rather, she said, to whom does this staff and cloak belong? He admitted to it, and then look what happened. Then we find there's, uh, here's Rus and Boaz in this Megillah, later on David and Bathsheba, all the things that you really have to explain very deeply, you know, and it's it's not like people think. I once spoke to a group of uh, a bunch of irreligious women. Um, I won't say the organization's name, but anyways, when I was, I was discussing this in passing, people said to me, oh, we know David, King David was very lustful, you know, look what he did with Bathsheba. And I said, you know, it would take pages and pages of ex- Mephorshim to explain what really happened and really it was such a minor thing that he did wrong, but for him it was considered horrific, because how could we believe that the song, the sweet song of the singer of Israel, that David Melech, who we use most of his to tehillim for our davening. We ask Hashem and his merit, if he was such a lustful person, because that's humanity, how could we be uh, relying on such a person for our tefillos? We have to say then instead that it's not to be understood the way we understand it. And all these incidents, Tamar and Yehuda and everything can all be explained away. We don't have time to explain them And this in the course of this class. But the whole idea was there's a lot of murkiness. And we learned from this. There's someone that wrote a parish on Megillus Rus. Someone, his name is Rabbi Renert, Shlita, from the son of Rabbi Renert, from Deir Haim, from Levracha, he put out a, a sefer called Shashu'i Moed, which I really under, really enjoyed, which has a lot of information uh, and puts in perspective a lot of Megillus Rus. But anyways, he said the whole idea here is we're supposed to understand how important it is. It brings on the Alsha The main thing of Megillus Rus is to be Lashem Shemayim. You know, that, that the main thing is your Kavana. Like Lot's Daughters, for example. We're not going to go deeply into that. But the whole idea was that Hashem values, even if you do goof off, if you mean well, your, your, your. Hashem considers your thoughts, your feelings. Even though our actions should go according to our words, but ain't sadik to lo yechta. There's no sadik in the world that will never come to sin. You know, sometimes people stumble. It's, it's you know, we all have moments we said a word we didn't want to say, we said something we didn't mean to say. Hashem, you know, wants us to keep trying, to keep going on just heard recently on the talking outline that Rav Nassim Vachbogel Zatzal was a, a meshkikh lake a saintly person. He, and, and this is just like, you know, a generation ago, he told them, and I think it applies to today, that he said that the only time you should regret your averas is on Yom Kippur. And he once had a student to really regret it. He did something so terrible. He said, Rebbe, Hashem is going to punish me in the world to come. He's going to do all these things for the avera that I committed. Rav Nassim says if a person has really repentance. They really regret what they did. Hashem erases it. You won't see it in the movie after 120 years. And we find that what happened was, was uh, this this one man really regretted his sins and Reb Nassim had to keep pushing him off and telling him, it, it's not Yom Kippur yet. It's not Yom Kippur yet. Even Rosh Chodesh Elul a man approached him and said, Rebbe, what should I do about my Aveira that I did? Reb Nassim said, come back to me on Yom Kippur. Just keep going. Keep going. You regret what you did and a person should, should have good kavanahs that what, you know, they should be the same shemaim. the kavanahs, they trying, they're just trying to improve. That's considered in, in, in shemaim as a very big thing, especially our generation of Nassim was wont to say a the person, the, the littlest into, with all the tumah that's around us, and we're trying to improve ourselves in shemaim. It's considered a very big deal. We're like earlier generations, the shem puts everything in perspective of the generation we live in where we're so surrounded by so much uh, corruption and filth and and immorality and everything else around us. So Lashem Shemine is a very important thing. There was a woman who called in, and she asked that. She said her husband, like she wants him to get to learn. He's not learning anything. He's he's just this whole plague that's befallen us has really knocked her off her feet. She can't continue. She feels like she's... uh, She's really, really beside herself with how difficult things are, and that her husband's he just, he's not on schedule, so he feels like he can't learn anymore. He just can't. He stays in bed most of the day. So she, she can't cope. So she was told that the, the, the Shita, uh you know, by the bali Musa is that if a person tries, like let's say if a woman has in mind, I want a husband learning. He's not learning, but I want a husband learning. You get schar as if your husband's learning, and not only that, you get more schar because you're not getting any covet. No one's applauding you, boy, look at a saintly husband you have. You are not getting. You get even more schar because you're trying your very best. And it's not going, but that's all that Hashem wants is us for, for us to try. Kavana is all that, that matters. And that's the lesson of Mashiach, particularly the, the, the Melchizedek that we're all waiting for, that is going to come from such a murky background. He can't pride himself and say, look who I am, look how great I am. He can't. He has, he, he comes from, a, he, there's no COVID with a lot of the, the question marks all over his family that most of Kali that doesn't know Torah properly thinks that David himself was this lustful individual. And even his, during his life, look at the, the humility he suffered from so many people. Shaul thought he was out to kill him and this and that and the other. So all those things that they went through, you get more scar when it's difficult for you than if things just go your way. We have to remember that. And that's a big lesson we learned from McGillis Rus. Another thing we learn, Medrash tells us, Amar of Zayra, Megillah, Zuh, Ein, Tuma, Tara, Lo, Hetzer. This Megillah does not have too many halachas in it. Okay, maybe there's the halacha of Gerus, which is very, very important, you know, that we learn um, a little bit about how, how what's based in standards should be in Gerum, and how we should treat a Ger, but somebody, somebody is not muted, just to tell you. Um so well, why is McGill's Ruf's written to be preserved for generations? To teach you how much reward is given for those that do acts of, perform acts of chesed. Now, we just said before the idea was kavana. Here we're saying another idea, and that's that it's about performing acts of chesed. So there's a Rabbi Rottenberg Schlita who is a Talmud Chachem, and he said, it's no contradiction. Because the ultimate in kavana is to think of someone besides yourself. Chesed really, people think chesed is, you know, you write a check or that you run after to help somebody with their packages. The main, the, the apex of chesed that we're aiming toward, which anyone can perform despite any physical handicap or anything else, is for someone to be thinking outside themselves. That is the Ikkar. Because you could be doing chesed day and night. It could all be for self-serving motives. Kavana is the main thing. But the kavana in chesed is, it's not about me. And if you have really high chesed, you're, you're helping somebody from Kalal Yisrael, that you're helping a yid with an ashamah, helping somebody that has a chilek elokami mal inside of them. That is the ultimate. You're thinking of the other. And that's why our forefathers were tested with sheep. No sheep is l'shem it's, shamayim it's purely what sheep is going to you know look look lovingly in your eyes that you you know pull them away from the bad pasture you know <laughs> the the shepherds are sitting there, they're schlepping sheep, and the sheep are making noise, and nobody has a good word for you, and that's really what it's like being a Jewish mother for the most part for sure, the first several years of a child's life you're not even home when they're a teenager you're even you're you're not a, you're not worthy of being home and um and you know sometimes it exists many, many years after. That, um, but we have this opportunity that's really chesed shalemis, chesed l'shem shemayim, that we're doing so much. You know, I've been hearing in Lakewood, they have all these programs going on. I don't know yet about Toronto's programs. Maybe you can inform me. But um, in Lakewood, it's like the women are not, are sitting there. They're not cooking breakfast, lunch, or supper. Uh, no, I think they make supper. Breakfast and lunch is taken care of. Every day they're being taken care of by the community. There's a whole thing, a pickup station, you pick up your meals. As for the schools. And then there's also a whole thing with Shabbos boxes they're getting these days. The whole Lakewood is getting these kind of things. They're not doing carpools. So they're sitting there. They said they have it basically, you know, we out-of-towners maybe don't have it quite as, um, as easy. And, and their kids are on the phone all day, by the way, with all these programs going on. And, and everyone has a phone line. I don't know to what extent it's being done here. But um, it reminds me of Claudia Yisrael that when we, when we went out of Mitzrayim, we were freed on Rosh Hashanah. Anybody wants to type in the box that uh, is in the know about Toronto that has the same thing? I don't know. But it says when the Jews were, um, had, you know, the first stage of Yitzhak, for six months, the Jews were not enslaved. They just waited for Mashiach like that. We don't happen to all have that. But we can be focusing our thoughts day and night on the Rebbein and the way to get a muna, says Rebbein in so many places, is through a and Because a person has a muna, they're already not thinking of themselves. And it's just a simple switch of the brain. All we have to do is stop thinking about myself, keep going, like Rav Nassim Bachbogel would say, and think about other people. There's so many people we could be you know, commiserating with right now. Aisha Rabbeinu was the great Nosa Baalim Havero. He was the person that really thought of his fellow man. That's what made him Mashiach. He was worthy of all the great traits because he didn't just think of himself. He was in a palace. He had easier life. And yet he was commiserating with all those people who didn't have it as easy as he had it. We find it says that when um, Moshe Rabbeinu came to Shemayim, there's a medrash that says that the Malachim didn't want to let him in at first. They said, this, manosh karenna, what are you letting humanity in to get the Torah? What do you want them to have it for? It says, a strange medrash, Hashem changed his face to that of Avram Avinu, and then he was let in. Don't you recognize this man? He's the one that fed you the tongue uh, when you were posing as Arabs coming to his table. What is the idea there? Like, what's that medrash teaching us? It says the Zichayim, that we have to know that we, the advantage we have over even Malachim is that we are people who have free will. We have free will, and the, the ultimate is to think of the other, you know, and a, a malach can't do that. A malach is a goody-goody, does what's right, but to have thoughts that could be me, and you decide to transcend the me and get out of the me and give it to you, that act of giving is not fine by malachim. That's why in certain nuschos, they don't say, because ahava means that you are actually, you, you can't feel for another if you're just doing what's right all day. So to feel for another means I first feel something about myself, and then I'm transferring those feelings as Rav Dessler to another. So that's that's really the big lesson. Ruth, there's so much the chesed she does. We'll see as we go through the Megillah. Boaz is tremendous chesed, and that is the prerequisite. No seboam havera is one of the 48 ways to acquire wisdom that we're we have to work on, is to think of the other. And there's so many people right now that we should be reaching out to thinking of and so many ways, I think so many people are being tested. It's not too many people that are just sitting maybe in like where they are, but I have a feeling there's a lot of other things going on with a lot of people, even though one person told me how nice everything is right now. But um, there's a lot of people going through so much right now, and we all know that to some degree everyone feels like caged in or whatever it may be. That's the least of it. So we have to be able to think of the other in a situation like this. Now let's get into Megillus Russ. Okay, first parak, we find it says Vayihi, whenever we say Vayihi, it's tsar. L- l- like Vayi she was going to be someone that's going to afflict the Jewish people, so therefore it says Vayihi, whenever it says Vayihi, it means, and, you know, it's above like it's connecting the past and the future, like it's, it's like something like everything seems so black, you can't, you can't see beyond it, so to speak. So that's the uh, Masoras Mayanshekness Dol. So it's gonna be a hard time. Bime Shvot Hashovim. It's the day where the judges ruled. Um now many people say that Boaz was Ibsan. he was a very minor shofate near the end. Some people say it was the time of Devorah, Barak, and Yael. Some people say it was the time of Shamgar and Ehud, you know. Uh whoever it was, it was definitely in that time frame. Shoftim were right after Yoshua. So we're still really in a whole. You should think a generation not far removed, two generations away from the Jews in the midbar. That's that's quite something. Well, maybe more actually, but um, yeah, because there was uh, there was there was a few people in between the Shoftim and, and Yoshua. But in any case, we find what was the problem Meha Shoftim? So one one Hazal tells us. Medrash and Shaftim it says, So there was a fault with the Shovtim. Uh, one thing is they were guilty, they were they abused their power. command. See, there's always a human, is a person can be the holiest person on the face of this earth. remember there's um in um Ravchanakana Khleibowitz, Sakhanal Bracha tells us it says in Parshas. Um, more. it talks about a kohen, and that a kohen Godel is not allowed to marry. Uh, he's not allowed to marry a grusha, or even he's not allowed to marry an Amana. So, you know, what, how is this possible? So it says that uh, I'm sorry, a, a grusha, a regular kohen can't marry a grusha. Why? Because they're afraid that during one moment of his avoida he may start saying. I wish that the uh, maybe she's gonna go back to the ex-husband. Maybe she's gonna want the ex-husband. So the point is that even a kain gadol on yom kippur could be thinking about the status of his wife for a second during his avoda. And kain gadol they said his face on yom kippur was like a torch, flaming like a torch, like such a holy person. So we find that um, you know that, that even these him who could have had a tremendous responsibility they could have uh, given over. Torah to Kalal Yisrael and, and done so much for them, there were still people that weren't, you know, that perhaps were not doing what they're supposed to. That's one opinion. We find that there's other opinions. Some people say they didn't rebuke enough. You know, it, it, it's hard, but uh, a Rav, that's the job of a Rav. A Rav should say what should be done. Otherwise, he's not doing what he's supposed to do as a Rav. Or Rosh Sheva, Like they're supposed to improve the generation. Or the people sinned and the people were judging the judges. They said, like you know, a judge would uh, would make a court case, and then the 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 uh, people were told to pay this such and such to in I mean, to the to the party that was hurt through you know through Baisden, and then the party, the uh, the aggrieved party would say, "What are you talking about? I should owe him money. Look what you do in your private life. That's a lack of covet for a Talmud Chacham." And that's really why a lot of this story happened, why there was a famine. So it's either that the judges didn't rebuke, or that some people say to the extent that some of them, they say it was definitely probably more the minor judges, not like the major gedolim, but some of the minor judges, there was corruption, or it was that the people did not properly respect a tabat chacham. Now, there's, there's all kinds of, like, interesting story, famous story about Reverend Cutler that one time he... Uh, He used to take some walks to pass by in the early Lakewood days and tell people, you have to close on Shabbos. There was a barber once in the middle of performing a haircut, and he had cut half the hair off this gentleman. And Aaron told the man, close, it's Shabbos. You have to close your store. The man refused. He kept giving the haircut. He talked to the the client. He talked him into leaving. The client left, that's to his credit, left with half his hair cut off, he left the, the barber chair in order. Ravaran told him, you know, we have to leave. On Shabbos, he he, he at least didn't want to insult the Talmud Chacham. This barber got so upset that Ravaran took his customer away that he, he had the audacity to slap Ravaran across the face. I think he immediately had a cardiac arrest. I mean, we don't find stories like that today so much. But um, but the point is there's many such stories I've heard about people that have insulted Talmud Chacham. You don't know, you know, like a person has to really be afraid of what they said about a Talmud Chacham. It's, it's, it's not simple. So then there becomes a Rav. again by he Rav. There was something negative. There was a famine. According to Shlomo Alkowitz, who was the Talmud of Rav Yosef Karo, who in turn was in a Talmud of the Arizal, the famous Machaber of Khadaidi. Tells us that the famine only hit Eretz Yisrael because we see they left for Moab. It obviously they only hit Eretz Yisrael. The Yavets disagrees and said there was famine outside um, as well, and there was no really tremendous economic gain in the entire world. You know, there's not things so much. So what happens? We find it says by Ish there was an important person, a of person, a Tzadik of a person. Be'beis Yechez Platz Bez was where the most prestigious families lived in Eretz Yisrael. Lagur Bistei Moab. He went to temporarily um, live in the fields of Moab. It's against Lagur is temporary, like a ger, like a stranger. He didn't intend to leave permanently. It also says, stay Moab, that is the fields of Moab. He didn't want to dwell in a city of Moab. He just wanted to live in the outskirts somewhere. Because he did he this is a temporary reprieve from the famine, right? Now there were actually ten famines in Tanakh. I won't go through them, but there were and we've discussed it before, but since I only have two weeks, I don't have time. But in the the brachish uh, Rabba Chaf He Gimel, we're told of the ten different famines that took place. And the last famine, by the way, in Amos it says, Lo Rav Lo Lechem, people will not be thirsting for water. Uh, I, I'm for, they won't be hungry for bread or thirsting for water. People will only be thirsting to hear the word of Hashem. And the of once remarked about that, Nebuch, that if people are thirsting for the word of Hashem, that means they were starving, that we didn't have enough to bar Hashem. Well, that's one opinion. That's his opinion. But, um, you know, the, the other people say, you know, that we're going to finally appreciate how important Torah is. That's what Mashiach will mean. It's going to be a time when people will be on the streets and instead of worrying about Parnassa and about other things, people are worrying about the different Torah and 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 keeping mitzvahs and Devar Hashem, which is where we should be. Any case, so there was everything became more expensive, and he left Eretz Yisrael. Now the um, it says Va'elach Ish. Originally, Kranz Malbim only Eli um, uh, Melech left Eretz Yisrael, and later. He, he, then he and his wife and his two children joined them. Nomi was not so willing originally to leave Eretz Yisrael, but to being a good wife, she accompanied her husband ultimately. But it was his idea. It was very important. I mean, it says, Ish, that was, that was, we hear that about Yochavet um, and, um, and Amram, that they, the same expression used. So he was obviously a very holy man. He was a very big Talmud, Chacham. He used to, he knew B'nevuah, Eliya Voha HaMalchus. He was called Eli Melech because to him, he knew was in his family, he was destined to be the family of Mashiach. Now, a person is allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael if there's a famine. We find that Avram Avinu left, even Yaakov Avinu left. But the Medrash said, first of all, he caused a lot of depression. People were feeling hopeless. They were giving up the fact that their leader of the generation was leaving them behind. People hoped he would help them. A lot of such stories in World War II about Gedolim that refused to leave their communities behind because that's the job of a manig. A leader is expected not just to, you know, so different than the, uh, you know, the public world. We find that the the, the the leaders make sure their pockets are are stuffed with cash, and they make sure that they're the ones that aren't harmed in any way. Like you know, the famous thing a few days ago, Trudeau's. Um, issuing proclamations, everyone has to drink out of cardboard boxes because of the wasting. And then they find him holding a uh, a plastic bottle, drinking in his private life. Or going on and uh, going to his cottage when he tells everybody else not to go to the cottage. A uh, uh, be strong. is supposed to exemplify "Imaya I'm with you. And often they would not leave the community, even though it was a question of life and death. I mean, there were some that did, and for whatever reason, but some had a cheshbon. I am here with the community. For sure, even with the Dibley, the stories about Briskerov, the Chabetz Chaim, that during uh, times of ter- terror, times of horrific times, they refused to um, sleep in a bed. The entire war that went on during their times, because they felt people are suffering. How can I be enjoying myself? There was a story recently, I think it was in the if I'm not mistaken, about a, a yeshivish person in Muncie who... Um, Uh, the day after something happened, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was after Rubashkin's case was over. He was found, like, right after Davening, he went into a store and he bought himself a Danish. And somebody asked him, you know, any reason why during the week you're buying a Danish, you know, like right after Davening, like 7 o'clock in the morning? And he said, I'll tell you why. I haven't eaten a Danish during the whole period of time that Rubashkin was incarcerated. I said, he's suffering. I want to put myself with him. I want to feel for him, and this is the first time I've eaten a Danish for all these years. That's really something, and that's why we, you know, our own ways, we should consider something like that. It's the small thing, not something crazy major. We're not the Chavetz Chaim. We're not the Briska Rav, but we should, if, especially if we have it easier than others, we should do something to make ourselves feel with the community that's still suffering at large in so many ways. He found Rav Yaakov at 95 years old, he would not take his phone off the hook. He said, I've lived this long. i shouldn't granted me years, perhaps, to help other people. How can I deny if somebody needs me? How can I deny them my ear? The, um, the person runs away. They have a specific talent that they could share with others, and they run away from it for whatever reason. Some people think it's exaggerated humility or whatever it is. Someone has a talent. Um, Hashem is testing you. This is your purpose. You have a specific gift. You're supposed to use this for olam haba. And hold on and don't let go of the talent that you were endowed with. Now, they uh, they would go from place to place. Al HaKadosh said they went to stay Moab. They went from one field to another field, the, the fields of Moab. Why the fields? They wouldn't stay in one place for long. They, wanted to, they, they didn't want to feel like they were there. The... Uh, now, he says "Who he went with his wife and his two sons. This is teaching us that he didn't think of others. He had Ayan. Now, again, we have to know to, about whom we're speaking. I'm sure he did not feel whatsoever, but in his madrega, he was taken to task that he did not feel for the community enough. Whatever that means, we can't judge. We don't know. I'm sure it's more than what we would do. But, you know, a lot of times when somebody... In those days, especially let's say the 24,000 of me the of Rabbi Akiva, I doubt that when we get to Shemayim, we're not going to. They're going to be way above us, way above us. A lot of times, if someone's a big tzaddik or tzaddikus, Hashem takes them early. Even they did one little thing wrong, they're happy to give their lives, you know, for the little thing they did wrong, and. Um, you know and, and that's and and uh and they're punished on the spot. It doesn't mean that they're worse than we are we We know so many people that were taken from us at a young age. um they said that Rav Pink Pinkus, when he was Nifter and he was taken at a young age. He could have been the one of the Godli Esral today Re Brevda colonel Racha said about him, and he was a man of truth for brevda he didn't mince his words or his thoughts Rav Brevda said. Rav Shemshin's Neshama itself wanted to go as a kapar for Klaus Yisrael. He was willing to give up his life for Klaus Yisrael because, you know, maybe the little thing he did wrong, you know, he was willing to go in such a way that it was horrific. It was Eric Pesach. He hardly had anybody at the Leviathan. Look what we have today. We hardly have anybody at anybody's Leviath. Big, big Taddekim or Nifter is barely a minion sometimes, you know, at some of these things. There were, there's no mention even in the newspapers about them because. There's so many Nishtarim in, in a week that we don't even uh, have a chance to explore one person in great depth. They're amazing people that have been taken. It you see one after the other, like almost like hand picked special people have been taken from us. You know, I'm sure it's like a par for Klael Yisrael. And they were willing. These are all people that did so much for Klael Yisrael that we've lost in the last little while. Unbelievable. Anyways, I remember um, Rabbi Friedler should rest in peace. I was once. Going in his office, I wanted to speak to him about something, and his eyes were closed. He was in the middle of a phone conversation. There was somebody who was speaking to in New York, a former congregant. And his eyes were closed, and he said, Mr. Jacobs, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of you, and I want you to have rafu shalema. This is no se Om havera. And, and and anyone can do this at any time, to think of the other. And this is what Elimelech was lacking in his approach, that he didn't care whatever it was in certain madrega of the other people enough. Now, there's something else that perhaps Elimelech did wrong. In the Gemar Subas it says it's something we have to ask shaila every once in a while. Tana <speaking> Rabanan <in> la'olam yadzer adam be'eretz Yisrael, afilu ha'ir, ilu be'ir shemru Akum even if there's a city in Erets Israel filled with idol worshippers but but al yadur be'gut Israel but sharuba israel don't live in in in, in hutza israel even if it's a city mostly jews you should rather prefer, preferably live in Erets Israel um shokol hadar be'rets Israel kemisha should should demesh kemisha yeshlo aloka Whoever lives in Eretz Yisrael is like some that has a God. Now, whoever lives is like a person who doesn't have a God. Now, again, we have to ask our own local Orthodox rabbi. Rav Shach was very against people just moving when you could be a burden on the tzibur. And there may be, everyone has a reason why they have to be here, but it shouldn't be We all should know that ultimately that's the place we're all going to live. And Elimelech left Eretz Yisrael. It's not something to be taken lightly. And this is something that perhaps, you know, that Elimelech did wrong as well. Now, Zerbe Rabbi Renard says, he want, goes to Moab. It's ironic. Of all places. Here's a person that in his own way, there's a certain Saras Ayin, we said, that here, he was the philanthropist of the generation. Not only the biggest guttle, he was the philanthropist of the generation. And he just went off in his own and everybody's suffering, and he kind of just neglected them. He felt, look, I have to leave. Most people would say, what's wrong with that? He had an obligation. He had a talent. He had something to share. He didn't do it. Of all places, he ends up in Moab, who were known to be stingy people. Mida This Mida. They also didn't give bread and water for money to Kalal Yisrael when we were passing through. We wanted to pass through their land. So a person, you know, that comes from, again, not thinking of the other. It comes also from being. Um, arrogant, a bit of arrogance for person thinking. Like we said last week, we were talking about that the Chavos Lelevavas, or Victor Miller says of Lelevavas, has first the sh'ar of habachina, first the sh'ar of uh, uh, realizing all the greatness that God has given to us, and then the next parak is sh'ar ha- avidas al- elokim, is later on. Not, not, it's not right away, but a person first realizes all that they owe to Hashem. That's how what avoid us Hashem should come from, from a person feeling, look what I have, look what I have. If we just focus, we work on that, of all the good we are lucky to have. Constantly we have to talk to ourselves of all the things that we are lucky enough to have in our life. From that should be a mandate, well, you have so much, to whom do you owe? Even if we are having it hard, if we compare it with the myriads of kindness done to us throughout our life, we should be humbled by that experience, and we should want to share it with other people, and share it and, and serve Hashem because of out of total hakaras out of, out of, out of, out of, out of um, feeling that we are unworthy and we owe so much the of Shlomo, and we're going to get the mahabba for every amount of suffering we endure, because it cleanses us of our sins. V'shem hayish Eli Melech, ish ishto Naami. His wife's name was Naami ima Pleasant. Uh, that her actions were pleasant, says the Medrash, because she did what her husband, she tried to please her husband. That's her mandate. That's a mandate of a wife. I'm not living for myself anymore, and that's why it's not always so easy. But on the other hand, a person has to realize I'm living for others. I'm living for others. And sometimes people say, well, what should I do with my life? Sometimes it's right in your own living room. That Your answer is see what the people around you need and try to help them fulfill their purpose in life, help them achieve what they need in life to serve Hashem. And then she had two sons, Machlon the Machlon really means that um, they're both, uh, they're, they're, uh, that God, um, that he, he died. And uh, no, I'm sorry, Machlon means that Hashem forgave him. Hashem forgave him. And Chilyum means he was finished. The Zohar says, that, that, that he was forgiven because, first of all, Kilion was the first person to marry a Moabite woman, which we'll discuss in a few moments. And uh, his thoughts were more Lashem shemaim. So even the degree of thoughts we have for the sake of heaven are being taken and given reward for by Hashem. So they were Ephrasim. Ephrasim means they were very important people. Ephras, you know, is in Beis Lechem. Um, and uh, they were the, from the Shevet Yehuda from a very illustrious background, and they went to stay Moab, and then comes the problem, By Usham, they remained there. That's when the problems began that made it even worse. The idea that somebody, it's not enough just to uh, leave Eretz Yisrael, but they decided they want to remain there, that's already a problem. That's what the Malbin says. Now, um, the targum says they became similar to the moavim and that's that's also something to be taken to task pusagim and Elimelech, the husband of nomi passed away he and she and her two sons remained now perkiyavus ein adam yodei shuv yom echad his name is Person never knows when he's going to die, so do tshuva the day before you die. That's why we should be spending time in tshuva. We say at least at night before we go to bed. Rabbi Michael. I'm being Michael, everybody, and I hope Hashem please be Michael me for everything I've done. By the way, I once asked Rabbi Lowy in Shma Kolenu. There's a paragraph in the Shvun There's a paragraph in gray where it says a, a little vidui. A person could say every day um, about their averus. And I asked Rabbi Loewi if it's appropriate to say that in the middle of Shmonestri. And Rabbi Loewi said, once in a while, don't say it every day. Because Rabbi Loewi in general is of the feeling that you shouldn't interrupt your Shmonestri. Even in Rifa Enu, when you're asking for other people's health, um, he said maybe just family members in there. Say it all at the end of Shmonestri, because then you start thinking, oh, wait, how is Aunt Millie? And how is he? But you start getting distracted from your saying the brachas with kavana. So, it's not a good idea to say that paragraph of vidui. But we have the opportunity on our bed, to think about what we've done during the day. At least let's do it sometimes, you know, that we should think, you know, what have I done today? And, and to do a mini tshuva. Here, Elimelech had all, his intention was he's going back to Eretz Yisrael. He's going to, I mean, yeah, he's going to return there. He's going to be again the philanthropist he was and help so many people. But yet, and as they say in Yiddish. He thought he thought he was going to do something, but instead, what happened was, you know, it didn't happen that way. It didn't quite happen. He didn't. He never returned to that. That's why Christians do chuba. And I always tied this up with vacations. You know, there is a need for vacations. We're all, I'm sure, itching for one as soon as this is over. If not right now, we're thinking of, you know, because a person needs a break from uh, from hardship but um the, you know and there's nothing wrong with that but let's try to make even our vacations Lashem shame because if God forbid somebody would be their last day on earth in the middle of Valuord wherever you know they wanted to be the same madriga that they would be back in the city of Toronto I sh- I'm not not putting any fingers at Bel-Yord. it just came to mind as a vacation place so I I've never even vacationed there so I don't know <laughs> so I'm just saying that um you know that that our mandate is to 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 do chuba Uh, He thought he was going to return. You have to know that any moment, we don't know what's going to happen. Now, so what happens? The only person the person um, dies for is his wife or husband. People don't appreciate anybody as much as a a spouse does. But there's more than that. Some people write, I think it's the Ivets that says here that, he was the man that could have been the entire Klaal Yisrael would have been in his Levaya. And he ended up in Moab. The only person his Leviah is his wife. And she, Batisha Er, she felt like Shirayim. She felt like a leftover. She felt like a nothing. Um, now Naomi didn't die because she, she, you know, because she listened to her husband. She didn't go through all this thing. She was just being a good wife. So she didn't suffer the great consequences that he suffered. Nashim Nachrios. Now the thing is, now here, Naomi to some degree is being held. Um, this was not. Rabbi Rennert says, Shalolah Shem According to some people, they married Nashim Movios <laughs> Mamish. Mamish, they married non-Jewish women because they got so assimilated into the culture. But there's a whole machlokas between tanoim, and according to many, what we do find that um, you know, the, the, okay, according to okay, even according to that opinion, it's a vera gorera One avera brings another avera. They here, they left there at Sistral, and they weren't thinking of the community. It's, it brought another thing. They're already in Moab. It brought them to, uh, to, to be integrated into the culture, and they should have returned to Eretz Yisrael as soon as el Malik passed away. They should have all gone back. They didn't. She's maybe taken to task a little bit, Naomi, that she didn't rebuke her sons enough about this. Now, but, Eben Ezra and the Zihar and many others say they converted. But Bastin worked very differently in those days way the base din operated was there were little din everywhere. And when the Jews were all in their homeland, basically, there weren't this, the same suffering that goes on today with Jews in Gullis. That Jews actually, you know, they didn't suffer for their religion and all this kind of business. In those days, they were worried about the sincerity of a person. Are you marrying or if you're, if you're converting, are you converting for a sincere reason or are you not? That's why today Din are very harsh with a candidate that seeks conversion, or at least it seems to the converts that the base that is putting me through the, 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 the hoops and the ropes and it's so difficult. And some, if you ever hear somebody come to you, like I've, I taught over 150 converts, somebody ever comes to you and says, I waited seven years for conversion. I know from experience, either something they were worried about the person's mental stability, or they're worried about their religiosity. And that's why they put, usually here in Toronto, it could be about a year, and somebody did in England, London. It could be two years, and to Israel longer, um, because the the reason why they take so long to decide is because this person is going to be hereby declared a Jew, and they're going to suffer all the consequences of a sinning Jew once they once they go into that mikvah and become a Jew. So they have to make sure, to the best of the basin's ability, this person really is a person that seems like they're going to keep the whole Torah. Because otherwise, once they convert, they they they're sinning anytime they they're not keeping a certain particular mitzvah. We find that um, that um, the so this is what the Bach explains that they did in time of David and Melech, They the way they would do things was in Shlomo and probably also here is they would tell people you are hereby converted. Uh, they'd have to you know. Go through certain things but then it was retroactive if later on you would mess up in your observance the conversion would be annulled they had to do this because every it looked like popular to be a jew and everybody wanted to be a jew so um, if afterwards the, that they they had that condition so the person would not be a real full-fledged Jew; would be questionable kind of conversion until you really committed yourself to religion I was told if there'd be a situation where, let's say, I don't know, an inquisition or the, the, the Nazi Germany and a person would convert under those circumstances, that person would barely be given any trouble because that's really the shame shamayim if someone decides to do that in, in a case like that. Anyway, so that was how the conversion worked. If you know, Most opinions are that they did con- do this type of conversion before coming onto the scene. Shema chas orpa first one's name is Orpah. Orpah means ha-oref. It's the same gematra that means the back of your neck, the nape of your neck, uh, because she turned her back. I mean, I don't know if that was her real name, but she turned her back on her religion after the S conversion. She post facto said, no, I'm giving this whole thing up. And Rus, as the second one, Rus is the same words as Tor, which means like a pure dove. Um, Also, we said 606, which is the commandments she's taking on, because she kept already the seven Noahide commandments, Sheva Mitzvah uh, Noach. These were the daughters of Eglon Melech Moab, the beginning of Sefer Shoftim. Uh, Eglon was, you know, persecuting the Jews. And these were princesses, these two women. And Ehud um, Ben-Ger goes to him and he says, I have something from Hashem that I'm going to want to share with you. Hear the word of Hashem? He stood up. And that was to his credit. And because of that, he deserved such daughters. So no good deed is ever in vain. We don't know what the rewards of good deeds can be. The um and then he, he was put to death letter by Ehud, but that's another story. In any case, these were two princesses by Yeshvusham Kesar Shanim. They remained in Ma for ten years. Now, all that time, this is what Naomi was the little thing she was taken to task. Why didn't she go back? Now again, she said, "Almana, it's not so easy, it's uh you know, she probably had some cheshven, but 10 years also shows us as the Al-Kachimoni, Hashem was waiting for their tshuva. Shem was waiting to see, are, are they going to renege on, you know, like finally come through with the cheshven, go back to Eretz Yisrael and support Kuala Yisrael. So then it says, Pasakev, I amusu gam shneim, the two sons. Now she, besides losing her husband, loses her two sons, Maklo and Kilian. At the same, for the same sin. That's why it says gam, according to the Medrash. First Hashem took away their money. Uh, no, nobody ever dies on the spot. Hashem punishes people in stages. And then, um, you, know, the, the, you know, she, um, and, and then the, and, and it, or some people all of this, Shiraz David says, it says gam, maybe she also had a miscarriage. It could have been a third child that she was expecting that she lost as well. It says, the, the woman, the isha the woman remained from her two sons, her two children. Why are they called children? They were adults. They got married, but it says they left no, they left no progeny. So when a person doesn't leave progeny, they're like children in that regard. isha, and she's bereft of her husband as well. She gets up. Now here's the point keep going. No matter what the tsara is, we get bumps, we fall down. Sheva yipot tzaddik I have this cute thing that was put up many years ago. There was a big tzaddik that did a whole campaign. He, was always, he went through a lot in his life, and he kept doing things to try to help fly his I'm just going to come up backwards. Winners are simply losers who refuse to give up. That's Sheva yipot tzaddik v'kham. That's what a winner is. When it doesn't mean if you fail that you're a loser. You are a winner, Hashem. You still have opportunities, and you could still keep going. Now we find they. uh, So she gets up. She decided to do tshuva, and the Alshich said she feels if I stay another minute, I also may die. She wants to go back to Eretz Yisrael. Now she's going to go back, and remember, now penniless. It's not like she's going back to the old. Altaheim. Okay, she did have, uh, according to many meforshim, she did have the homestead. She still had a, uh, you know, but she lost lots of wealth. You know, all she had was like the family area that she lived in. He, V'chalo, says she went back and her two daughters in law accompanied her. This shows the chest of these two daughters in They didn't want to leave her. She, she did tshuva. As, okay, she returned, but it's also she did tshuva according to many meforshim because. She heard in the fields of Moab that Hashem has remembered his people, that the famine has ended. Uh, because it says, Hashem never will re- forsake his nation, he'll never leave them. And um, that's what it says in, in Shul Aleph that because of Hashem's name, he will never forsake us. Hashem's Kulo Chesed as well. He's always doing Chesed. We're supposed to emulate that. And he never leaves his people. So um, now she's allowed to go back to her thing. Now, the, um, even if we don't deserve, Hashem has constant Chesed with us. Look, she didn't, he gave her chances to do Tshuva. Hashem always gives us chances. Laseis Ham Lachem and she left the place. It also says Yakov, She was at tzadikas, even though maybe she didn't rebuke enough. Nobody's perfect. She she, she went like a tzadikas. She left and v'telachna baderech. V'telachna baderech means it should say al haderech. They walked on the road. It says they walked in the road. Um, now, in the road does not mean like the way we in, in English. I didn't mean the interpretation. They walked in the street rather than on the sidewalk. In the road, in the olden days, the only way you could go was in the road. There was no sidewalks way back when. So, in the road men, that's for many of them. of some, I understand that they walked shoeless. Uh, they had they, they had their, 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 they had no shoes for their feet, or or the shoes were very. there were they, they felt the road. They're in the road. They felt the rocks. They felt the stones. And you know, these were two princesses. Then Naomi starts doing what the laws of converts requires. She persuaded, trying to dissuade them from staying with their Judaism. So according to that opinion, that they were converted, here's the moment now to test whether post facto this conversion is valid. So she's now saying, go back, go back. You're supposed to dissuade a convert three times. Um, based in, not the rest of us. I mean, if somebody is not yet Jewish and not yet in the conversion program, yes, you can dissuade them. Each, each woman should go back to the house of her mother. And, um, and she says, yeshem should do, do chesed to each one of you. Go back to your, your parents' home. In other words, look, there's no home for you here. You lost your husbands. Go back to your your former lives, you know. Hashem should do with you chessed like you did imamaysim veimadiv. The chessed shall amass You you stood by your husbands. You, if you you know many people say they buried their husbands perhaps, and and Imadi and you did for, and for me as well, you know. Um, now the yitena Hashem lachem a matzana manucha isha base isha base isha that a person should find manucha in her husband's house. It says. That a woman only has manucha when she's married. That's not not say, it doesn't say that about man, but it says that about a woman. Well it says a man has no simcha, no bracha without a wife. That's pretty good. But a woman has no manucha, maybe it's because of our over emotionally over emotional nature, that we don't have manucha without a husband. The um so she tells them to go back to her, you know, and, and back to her husband, but she kissed them, but they Raised their voices and cried. Um, now, and then they say, First time, they all said, we're going back with you. And then she said, she called them Banos, my daughters, because, um, if, if, let's say, even according to the opinion, according to the Alshech, who says they were not Maguire, he says, you still should be nice. You should be nice to a convert. A lot of people feel it's their mitzvah. Somebody uh, is in the conversion program, let's say, they feel like if you really t- they don't don't look too nice to them because maybe you're con- convincing them to be a Jew. No, you could still be. You know, you're supposed to. It's a kiddush Hashem. That's the least you can make is to show them how Jewish people behave. So, anyways, they um, they she told them, "Lama Why are you going with me? I don't have any. I, I don't think I have any. I'm expecting any more children. that could be husbands for you. Then you'd even have to wait." You know, for that, the um, and maybe stay in Moab. You won't have a husband. You, you'll have someone to marry in in, Eretz, in, in in Moab. Now, no one to marry in Eretz Yisrael. According, even Rabbi Renner said, even according to opinions that felt that they're, you know, that they were already Maguire, She's telling him you won't have a husband because you're a Moabv woman. According to those days, people felt a Moabee woman could not be married. Says you're not allowed to marry uh, Moabv or Ammoni because they were of their cruelty. Now, later on in this Megillah, we're going to find that doesn't apply to Movi women, because the women weren't the ones that refused the bread and water. It was the men that had that potential opportunity, and they refused. In any case, uh, she says something that, Go, because I'm too old to be for any man. Even if I had tonight, I was pregnant, and I had a husband. I don't know. I'm too old you're gonna wait for to, to have, till I have a child. you you're gonna really wait and, and 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 you know hope for my my daughters don't don't wait for me. You should go back already, Marley I'm, I'm I'm bitter for you. Um, some opinions say that she was bitter because of you because my son's married out of the faith and even even according to those that say they married according to Halacha, she feels bad that they had to lower themselves to marry non Jewish women, and they could have married instead Jewish women in Eretz Yisrael. Now, people say, you know, that, that perhaps they married for ulterior motives. That, that's the whole thing, reason she's putting them to the test. Maybe they married, these were two uh, prominent men from Eretz Yisrael, for, you know, very wealthy family, uh, prestigious family, and here instead, she is, um, you know, they, 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 that's maybe why it wasn't pure, their conversion, and that's why she's testing them right now. kolan kolon od. They cried a second time. Batishak Arpa, this is after the second test. Batishak Arpa kissed her mother-in-law, Ruv dovkaban. Ruth clung to her. Now, it's a mitzvah, vo You should cling to Hashem. That means that to you should cling to Tamil HaChamim and try to do business with them and try to be like Hashem and be like Tamil HaChamim. Rus' clinging to Naomi was more than just like a mother in law because it says by nature, a da- usually a daughter in law hates her mother in law. That's what it says in uh, Bamas. But there's something in there, there's some some degree of something, you know, because you're two women pulling at the same man, so to speak. The um, the, the nature of a daughter in law. But in any case, we find that um, that they, that Rus loved her, the Dovkabah, was because she felt, I want to cling to Hashem. I don't want to give up this religion. I want to, I want to stick with it. Now, it's interesting <clears throat> that Orpah kisses her mother in law. So the, the Marami Prague says, Guddle, it, um, it says, <laughs> thank you, Florence. <laughs> the Marami Prague <product> says <laughs> that. Um, that if a person kisses and then leaves, it's the opposite of somebody that clings. It's hafucha. It's hafucha, the, 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 the shuka. is hafucha from the devuka. Why? Like you think she has some feelings to Judaism. She has some feelings for mother-in-law. And when she leaves. Why is that the opposite of the one that clings to her mother-in-law? And the reason is because when a person... When a person kisses something, when a person has an intimate feeling to something and then leaves it, it's like you're saying, "I don't want anything to do. I don't want to look at purity. I don't want anything to do." That's why they say, for example, a person commits a sin in Eretz Yisrael. It's worse than committing it Chutz LaAretz because in Eretz Yisrael, where you see God's presence, so to speak, you know, there's much more expected of you, and you could feel it and then do something wrong. You know, that's like a, a you know, a person had had some kind of Positive feeling, and yet they decide to leave it. There's a conscience, they're pushing away their conscience. They don't want to look at what's right and wrong, they don't want to think about it. Says so that night, Orpah lived with a hundred men and a dog after she left, separated from her mother in law. And um, for the 40 steps that Orpa walked with Nami, 40 days, Goliath, her grandson, cursed out the Jewish people uh, until he was killed. She also had, I think, four tears in her eye, and that was the four kings that oppressed the Jewish people that came from Orpah. Every good deed is rewarded, you know, and that's it's a frightening thing. But that's a schus. Um It is a schus for Orpah because Goliath brought B'nai Israel to do tshuva. And the, the, I just found the Lushan now in Hebrew. It says, Yavo B'nai HaNeshuka, Viplu Biad B'nai HaDevuka. That's the word, the Lushan of the Maral, for those that want to know. Okay then Pasuk tezvav, and rus. Uh, she, then then last time last third third try she says shava yevimtech your sister-in-law has returned out to her people and to her god go accompany your sister-in-law Rus. and this is this beautiful moving verse that she says don't hurt me to to, to leave you to go away from you where you go, I'll go. And where you'll sleep, I'll sleep. Your nation is my nation. And your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. And then I'll be buried. And, 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 um, and, and we should, I should, until you die, until we're buried. Because only death is going to separate us. Now very poetic and, you know, beautiful, the, the feelings that she had, the, um, she said, like, you know, when, when she tells her, she's telling her, you're going to regret this also, you're going to be all alone, you know, go with her to her God, you know, With and, and, and once you go with somebody else, you end up going after the, 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 the multitudes of people. We usually follow people, says the Rambam, that we're with. It's important to be with good people as much as we can be. But Ruth tells her, "Al ebi." According to many Rashi, "Al don't don't push me. According to other Meforshim, "Don't kill me." She looked at her relationship with Hashem as if I don't have Yiddishkeit, I'm going to die. That's the lesson for us when we affirm our commitment to the Torah. You know, uh, you know, like this is our life. Lule Sarascha, as a if I don't have your Torah I'm going to die from affliction. I and she said if I I I she wanted to be that um now there's a whole thing here about about um a lesson we learn it says kamase erits bit rima sure yashkan bolos sasu kamase erits kanana share animavias kamsama losasu ubukuk samlos telajo it says in Parshas. Um, that um, you're not supposed to act like the people of Egypt and you're not supposed to go in their ways. It so says all these different things when Ruth was going with them, his famous medrash, when she says, where you'll go, I'll go. Well, she she tells, you know, we Jews don't go to circuses and we don't go to theaters. That's what it says in medrash. And she says, nope, I'll refrain from going to those places. And then she says, Share, um I don't sleep without a mezuzah. Okay, that's fine. You don't sleep without mezuzah. I also won't. I'll be with your people. You know, I only, I. I there's a lot of, there's a lot of, <laughs> our nation has a lot of restrictions. I'm going to do this. And all the other mitzvahs concerning Hashem, I want to keep. That's what it means. Or i could also mean, by the way, it could be Yichud. There's lots of Yichud. You can't be alone with a man. Just no, I'll do all those things. Now, interesting thing is, when you talk about it, you can't live without a mezuzah, you can't live without yichud. That's an actual prohibition. And elokai, elokai, your goddess, my God, Amecha me. Why is it, say, where you all go, what does the circuses and theaters have to do? And it's because of that restriction in Parsha's uh, Ahremos, we have a restriction. We can't be like the rest of the nations. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be unique. We're not supposed to just be a non-Jew with the yarmulke on top or a Jewish woman with a different dress than our counterparts. We have to have an inherently different set of values, inherently set of things that are important to us, that we're going to strive for. And that's what Ruth said, I will go with all of them, even the restrictions that make me uniquely Jewish. That's, uh, I'm willing to do this. Now, then it says, but um, at the end of this, Vatera hi when she saw that Rus was having a difficulty walking, somehow all of a sudden it became hard, Russ wasn't walking so well. Um, then it says she stopped but stopped talking to her. So Rashi and the Obama says, Ain't marbin a love, ain't medoctic in a love. When if somebody becomes a gay or gyoris, or when they're in the program, you're not supposed to be medoctic with a gay or gyoris. I was told I remember when I talked Gayram Rabbi Lowy gave me a lot of leniencies. To teach uh, when I was teaching, because he says you're not supposed to give them all the chumras uh, when you teach a geir or giyores. They're taking it upon themselves. You don't start out that way. And also the saw um, Kimi Interesting. It says once she became a Jew, she became weak. There's a famous story if you've ever heard of this for Reish Lakish and um, and Rav Yochanan that that Reish Lakish was originally a high woman, a, ra- a robber. And he was very strong and, he, you know, whatever. And he uh, m- bent into Rav Yochanan, who was very apparently very good looking, had very long eyelashes that, uh, and many other things I would imagine. But that's I know the eyelashes had to be held open for him to see things. Any case, the um, so Rav Yochanan, he said, if you had a, if you had a he was, Lush, Kish was a Jew, so it was, he said, you know, if you had a sister as beautiful as you, I would really marry her. So, so Rav Yochanan said, if you give your life for Torah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make sure that my sister gets married to you. That has to be explained, but we're not going there today. Any case, so what happened was it says as soon as Reish Lakish took upon himself to become a Talmud Chachem, he couldn't swim across the river any longer. It says Jews are weaker than non-Jews for a reason because when you have caught for Torah, it even a Talmud Chachem usually is as weak as a woman. Because, um, uh, you know, they're not sitting there. For the most part, I'm not saying there's no exceptions. Uh, Of course, there were, like Shimshon, for example. But, um, and I'm sure others contemporary. But, um, you know, she stopped talking to her. Once a person's really on the path, you're only supposed to encourage them. And they're taking a big step. And it's up to them at that point. You don't, you don't, uh, whatever, say you're going to marry them (laughs) until they're McGuire, But you, um, in this particular case, according to the opinions that she was she did this post facto giur. Then she was now indeed a Jew. She answered the questions properly, and that was it. They were now equal They went to beis and when they got there, Batakhom The whole night, the whole city, was all like like all in a state of uh, they didn't know what to make. Mahuma like a confusion. Now why? Where does it mean kol Why was the whole night, Why was the whole city out? to see them. Uh, They weren't a bunch of yentas, I would assume. The reason why the whole city was out there was because that day was the funeral of Boaz, his his wife. He lost his first wife, according to many people saying that. And um, uh, the whole nation, you know, a whole city, also some people said it was the day of the cutting down of the Omer, the second day of Pesach, uh, or he married up all his children. There's different opinions about all that. So People were all in a state of confusion because of that, but also when they said, when they came to the city, the women said, Naomi?" showing the men did not look at her, They has, this Naomi, she came when she used to have the shoes were matching the purse, were matching the earrings, were matching the, the earrings, the, the, the whole thing, everything was matching, coordinated, like perfectly coordinated, and here she's coming barefoot back, is this Naomi, and then she's without her husband, without her two sons. You know, she, she's like, uh, she's seen much older. Now, what does Naomi answer them? Alti karenali Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Karenali Mara. Call me bitter. Kiheimar Shakai li ma'od. Because God embittered me very much. I will be finishing soon. I don't want you to have to sit here forever, even though I enjoy just knowing you're all with me now. But um, we're going to stop very soon now, and we'll continue next week. You can either, you can shout out, I'm going to try to do next week, as I said, an hour and a half to be able to make up ground for the Smegilla here, and I will not review. If you want to see review there, Rivka has, is recording this, so she can send it out. If anybody requests from Rivka, just put, shout out to Rivka, and she can send you a copy of the recording. Otherwise, we are putting up, since this whole plague has befallen us, I put up on YouTube, for those of you who have a computer and internet, you can turn it on and turn off your filter for that. I do have all the videos that we set as a class since this whole plague befell us on YouTube. So this, McGill's Risk Part 1, will be available that way as well. Now, any case, so what, what happened was she said, like, um, it's very interesting, this positive. This is when things look the absolute worst. She comes back totally embarrassed embittered, uh, lost everything, but here's going to be the geula is going to start for her personally, and the sheikh is going to be born from this whole thing. That looks like the worst moments, and that's how we have to look. Worst moments are opportunities for us to grow, and we go up and down, but we are trying to get there. Now, Rabbi Breffa says, interestingly enough, it shows the greatness of Naomi. She could have answered them back when they said, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. She could have said, I'm an Amana. What are you saying, Hazos, Naomi. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm an amana. I'm, I I lost my husband and my children. Is this how you talk to an amana? Is this how you talk to me? She didn't answer them back. They're saying, is this the army? You know, it's a little bit insulting. People say often very weird things to people that are divorced, that are, have to watch what the words we use with people that could sometimes really ruin their day, you know, that, uh, you know, say the wrong things to uh, an amana or a grusha or someone like that. It was a beautiful thing from a Victor Miller on last week's parsha that I don't have time to tell you along the lines of hurting people's feelings. He just says, in short, if I have to say it on one foot, is that we have to remember, it says, Onas the is bigger than Onas Mamon. He said, imagine a shopkeeper that's a cheater. He's putting his hand on the scale to make the thing way more a cheater, or he cheats you with in any other ways. We look at somebody dishonest, that's terrible. It's, 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 it's a lot of derisa, Onas Mamon. It's like there's Gezel, there's Mirma, there's all kinds of horrible things. But Onas de says Rav Victor Miller, is worse, is much, much worse. Anytime we say words that hurt other people, and now we're put in closed-door situation with family members, it's, it's something that lasts forever. You can't take it away like you can money. Money you can repay. But if you do something to afflict another person with words, and people do this with husbands and wives and children. We have to be so careful. I know people are getting on everybody's nerves already. We have to be careful how we talk to other people. It's like something that you can't pay back. You can't pay back. It's, it's something that it can ruin their situation in life. Victor Miller said that he taught in Chaim Berlin. It was a mishkiach there for many years. Hundreds of students, hundreds, five people in his entire career caused him grief. They talked chutzpah to him. He says he'll never forget who they were. And what they said. And it's not because he's vengeance or whatever. It, 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 I'm sure if you think about it, if someone hurt your feelings, you'll never forget it. It just it lingers. To be Michael them is one thing, but it's it puts a, a burden on somebody's heart, every bad word we say. And she answered very, very um, nobly to just say, don't call me. I'm not pleasant anymore. I'm bitter. Now, the to say, um, I'm just trying to look who says it. Some people say, but I believe that the, the Al Sheikh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is the Al Sheikh. The Al Sheikh says, at the end of the verse, she says, God made me bitter, right? But God is referred to here as Shakai. That's like die. Whenever we have to see the name of Shakai, it's a Shemset enough, meaning she is proclaiming here in the depth of her sorrow. God does not make everything negative forever. This is not forever, and this is with measure. Die means that there's limit, this finite thing we're talking about here. The finiteness here is that God is not going to afflict me forever, and God did it measure for measure. I deserve it. So Mara with an Aleph is not as strong as Mara with an hey. She is saying she's being Mastik as it's in, it's called. She's saying that what Hashem did to me is righteous, and I deserve it. That's what she's saying. That's really incredible, if you think about this, Um, you know, that that she feels I deserve this as a punishment for my my deeds. And Hashem is fair, and he's measure for measure. He gave me exactly, in measure, what I deserve. Um, She says, why are you calling Naomi? I came full, and I ended up empty, and Hashem did bad for me. And then it says, "And Vatashav Nomi Via, the two of them returned from Ste and they went to Beis Lechem in the beginning of the harvest of the barley. We will be talking more about this next week. And it's to the worst moment now. Yeshua is coming for Tzaliyusro. Thank you so much for listening. I miss all of you really, and it's just good to know I can see your name. I get to, you know, Mr. Yisrael, we should all see each other in person." BS, Goal, Sedeq, Bin Herif, Bin Amenu, Amen! Amen!